Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast today to Lead to Succeed with Andrea Pacini. We are in for a treat with Andrea because he's going to be talking about or taking us through really essential skills that every leader, every founder, every business owner needs. Now, Andrea is the author of the best-selling book, Confident Presenter, which I am pleased to say I am reading, thoroughly enjoying, and it's already a bestseller. So well done, Andrea. And Andrea is going to talk us through how to be a great presenter. And he is the leader of Ideas on Stage. And Andrea specializes in working with business owners, leaders, and their teams who want to become more confident presenters. And as we were just saying, there's always room for improvement. So I'm sure we'll be touching on that. So since 2010, Andrea's business has worked with thousands of clients um, around the world, including organizations. Now you're going to be impressed by this. Microsoft, Spotify, eBay, the World Bank, and over 500 TEDx speakers. Wow, we're going to be diving into that, I'm sure. And Andrea has a mission, which I'm sure he'll share with us in a bit more detail, but it's to stop great ideas from falling just because of the way they are presented. His vision is to help hundreds of thousands of business leaders inspire their audiences, increase their influence, That's pretty important. And even more important, make a positive impact on the world. So we have set the scene for what is going to be an amazing episode. Andrea, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Callum. I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Let's get stuck in. Andrea, yeah, awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much for, for joining. Um, I'd love to, to dive in just into your, into your background in a little bit more detail. Could you give us kind of a bit of a snapshot as to how you got into kind of communication, presentation, and, and that sort of nature of things, please? Sure. The, the, the reason why I, I got into, into this space, Carlon, and the reason why I'm so passionate about public speaking is because when I was a little kid growing up in Italy, I grew up in a family of very small business owners. My parents have always been running their own very small business together. They still do. And so as a kid, I saw their challenges because raising four kids while trying to run a business is not easy. But I also saw their spark, their entrepreneurial mindset, their proactive approach to life. And so that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to run my own thing. Now, in reality, that remained a dream for a long time because before doing what I'm doing now, I tried many things. All of them failed, but it was useful because in that process, what I realized was that there are so many great ideas that fail, not because of the ideas themselves, but just because of the way they are presented. 
And that's why then eventually, to cut it short, I became a presentation coach. That's why my mission is to, as Rebecca, as you said, my mission is to stop great ideas from failing just because of the way they are presented. That's so interesting. And to dive into that in a bit more detail, when when you say ideas fail often, you know, because of how they're presented, what what is it specifically that you often tend to see companies, individuals, organizations do that, that causes that result to, to happen? There are many, many things uh, I see, we see with our, with our colleagues, many common mistakes, if you want, from developing a message which is too complex or too technical or confusing for the audience, which is the number one problem in communication, to also communicating a message which may be interesting, but perhaps it's not relevant to the audience, to not being able to make a good connection with the audience from a delivery perspective. It's not only what you say, which is the most important thing, it's also how you say it, to, for example, assuming that a presentation, that the objective of a presentation is to share some information. The objective of a presentation is not to share some information. Of course, you, you want to share information as you present, as you communicate an idea, but that's not the objective. If that's the only objective, fine, but there's no need to give a presentation. Give your audience a document, give them a coffee, give them some time so that they can drink their coffee and read your document, and then you share some ideas, you answer the questions, it's much more effective. When you give a presentation, it's because you want to transform your audience. You don't want to inform them, you want to transform them, which means that you want to change something in either what they know, but also what they believe, what they feel about your subject. And also you want to change something. If you think about where your audience is today and where you want them to be after your presentation, you also want to change their actions. Often you want to, you want the audience to do something, to take action. And if that's the case, then, then that's the ideal scenario for us to start thinking about creating and delivering better presentations. So Callum, there are many, many errors, if you want, many mistakes I see. We can, if you want, we can unpack each of them in a little bit more detail, but it's not just one. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to dive into that, but the I guess to go a bit more high level first before I hand over to Mama, just a second. If we if we sort of take that lens of uh, trying to uh, influence an audience to take a specific action and kind of view communication through the lens of say like leadership, obviously that comprises of I would imagine many different things from the way you're presenting yourself, your your body language, the way you're speaking. I'd be really sort of interested here, just kind of your thoughts on all the different areas that a leader should be considering when they're looking at how they communicate to uh, an audience, for example? Yeah. So I look at it in, in three ways. For me, there are three skills mm -hmm. that the leaders need to master if they want to become more confident presenters. And because of that, if they want to achieve their objectives when communicating and presenting their ideas. Message, visuals if we need them not always but if we need them we need to talk about it and delivery message visuals and delivery so message this is the content of your i say presentations but in the end we are talking about fundamental principles of communication that you can apply them anytime you need to communicate an idea that's the con the message the content of your presentations this is what you say and that's the most important thing for me confidence 
80% of your confidence comes from your ability to develop a compelling message. So it's the content. Delivery, this is how you say it. So Callum, you mentioned things like body language, for example. So that's the, these are your delivery skills, body language, eye contact, hand gestures, posture, movement, the way you use your voice, which by the way is really important today when it comes to online communication, not just for online, but especially when it comes to online presentations. So you see, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And then visuals, the visual element, this is what you show when you say it. Now in business, most business leaders tend to use presentation tools, slides, things like PowerPoint, or any other presentation tool, it doesn't make any difference. And I often see the typical death by PowerPoint, where you have lots of text and bullet points and people can't read and listen at the same time. So if we use visuals, we need to keep it simple and visual. We need to have one idea per slide. We need to have something that supports and reinforces what we are saying, not something that replicates what we are saying. Because again, people can't read and listen at the same time. So message, which is the most important thing, delivery and visuals. It's a bit like watching a movie. When you watch a, when you watch a movie, a movie has the screenplay, and that's the content, that's the message of the movie. It also has actors, and that covers the delivery side of things. And a movie also has special effects. And if any of those three key elements is missing, you will not enjoy the movie. The same is true with our presentations. If any of these three key areas, your message, your visuals, if you use them, and your delivery, if any of them is missing, you will find it hard to reach your objectives. Thank you, Andrea. When leaders come to you and they recognize that they need to change their communication style, improve their communication style, what, generally speaking, is the number one thing that you, you think, you know, above everything else, you've touched on a number of things here, the number one thing that they need to work on the number one thing is our ability to present, develop and present a message which is simple for the audience to understand, simple and clear for the audience to understand. So it's connected to the message piece. And instead what happens, Rebecca, is that we often end up communicating a message, not because we don't know what we are talking about, but for the opposite reason, often we are talking about business leaders, business owners who are very good at what they do. They know their stuff, they have experience, they have expertise, and they know so much about their subject. And they're also so close to it that they think that everything is important. Yeah. And so they think that they need to communicate everything. They also think that what we are what they are communicating is simple, clear, engaging, often the experience from the audience's perspective is the opposite. It's confusing. And in communication, it's very simple. If you confuse, you lose. You lose your audience. You lose their attention, not just during the presentation. You lose it for, for good. I'll give an example, Rebecca, which describes the number one problem in communication in, in a good way. The number one problem in communication is the curse of knowledge. I don't know whether you got to that part of the book where I talk about the course of knowledge. And there's a, a study in, in Made to Stick, which is a fantastic book, 
by the Heath brothers made to stick. They talk about a Stanford University study known as Tappers and Listeners. And what happened was in 1990, a psychology student asked two groups of people to play a game. Two groups, the Tappers and the Listeners. The Tappers, what they had to do is, was they, they had to tap out rhythms to famous songs on a table. So think about very famous songs like Happy Birthday to You, songs like that. But instead of singing the songs, they had to tap them out, just the rhythm on a table. The listeners, they had to try and guess the songs. That's it. Now, before the experiment started, the student asked the tappers to estimate how many songs they thought that the listeners would have guessed. And they thought that the listeners would have guessed 50% of the songs. Now, in reality, the reality was very different. They, the listeners, only guessed two and a half percent of the songs. Massive difference. Why? Because if you are a tapper, you have knowledge. Think about the curse of knowledge. You have knowledge that the listeners don't have. If you're a tapper, you have the songs in your head. So for you, it's obvious and you find it very hard to understand why the listeners can't guess them. But if you are a listener, you don't have the knowledge. You don't have the songs in your head. And so for you, it's not obvious at all. And that's what the, what the course of knowledge is about. Once we know something, like it was for the tapas, we find it hard to imagine what it means not knowing it. And we see the problem, not just with tapas and listeners, we see in communication with leaders, leaders and the teams, but everywhere we see between writers and readers, we see between politicians and voters, we see between presenters and, and the audiences. So that's the number one area that we need to address. Well, I think there are a number of things there, Andrea, that you shared with us. First of all, you shared a story. And I think that's a, a vital part of communication. And we'd love to, to go into that in a little bit detail. But thank you for that. Secondly, we think, every, I mean, I fall into this trap. I think everybody knows what I know. <laughs> you must know it, surely. And I don't know why we make these assumptions or I make that assumption. I think that's a, a classic one. And then I think the third point for me is, oh my goodness, it's so difficult to simplify something. It's harder to make something simple. It's harder to make a very short post for example, on LinkedIn compared to a long one, it's harder to do a short letter than the long one. And there's a phrase I can't think of off the top of my head about Mark Twain said something around, I couldn't write a short story, so I wrote a book or something along those lines. I mean, yes, you're right. I don't know. It. Right. Yeah. So how do we make things simpler? Let's start there. You are 100% right. Simple is harder than complex because anyone can use for example, long, confusing sentences, anyone can use jargon, anyone can use acronyms or industry-specific terms that you understand as the presenter, but not necessarily the audience. And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people in business, including business leaders, use complex language, complex sentences, even complex words, because they think that if they do that, then they sound smarter and more credible. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite is true. If we look at what great communicators do is they use simple words, simple sentences, 
simple language. And when I say that we need to speak simply, don't get me wrong, it's not about oversimplifying your message. It's not about dumbing it down. It's about finding and using language that everybody in your audience can understand. So a practical piece of advice is this. What great communicators do is they try to, to use language that a 15-year-old would understand. I'll give you two very quick examples. Steve Jobs, who is considered, was considered by many great communicator, great presenter. If you take the first 1,000 words that he spoke during the launch of the iPhone, the very first iPhone many years ago, you take the first 1,000 words and you upload them onto a, a tool like, we have tools like Hemingway, the Hemingway app or Grammarly, tools that analyze language. You upload some text and that tool tells you how easy or how how complex it is to understand that the message. If you do that with the first 1,000 words spoken by Steve Jobs in that presentation, it returns a grade which is equivalent to eight to nine years old. Eight to nine, an eight to nine years old watches that presentation and he or she would be able to understand what, what he was talking about. And it was a business presentation, launching a new product, launching a new technology. Another very quick example, which is similar, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. If you take the shareholder letters that he sent out to the Amazon shareholders over the like 20, 25 years, roughly 70% of them, you do the same exercise. You, you take the actual text and you run it through, through one of these tools, the analyze language, it return, on average, 70% of them, it returns a, a, a grade, which is equivalent to 13 to 15 years old. And again, we are talking about business letters, talking about strategy, operations, so many things to the Amazon shareholders. That's what great communicators do. So every time we need to communicate something, especially if we are talking about something which is new for the audience or complex or technical, then we should ask ourselves, how would I explain this to a 15-year-old? If a 15-year-old would understand it, then it's likely that as many people as possible in your audience will understand it too, even if they are not experts in your subject. On that note, Andrea, that's, uh, that's, that's super helpful. And that's kind of focusing on like the, the what that is being said. But as we sort of said you know, a minute ago, one of the other big aspects of communications is like how something is said. And I find this really interesting as, you know, someone that works in sales and just, I guess, in just general, like social situations anyways, um, the, the toning that you use, the speed of your voice, do you inflect upwards or downwards and, and things like that. What sort of, um, if you could give like some practical advice to people that are listening to this podcast that are trying to sound more influential, have more conviction when they speak based on, on how they say something, what, what sort of tips would you give someone in, in that context? Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, one column is, First, we need to think about what we say. That's even more important, I think, than how we say it. So in terms of what, then, again, a practical tip that people can take away is this. If there is a... Rebecca, you were saying that it's harder to write a short post on LinkedIn than a long one. Now, in communication, if there is, which is true, but if there is a short way or a long way to say something, always go for the short way. If there is a short word or a long word to say something, always use 
the short the short word so instead of core competency say skill instead of core competency say skill it's shorter it's more it's punchier it's more concise so that's one thing Callum. it's the what how now you mentioned we can touch many areas here but because you mentioned voice now you're right the way you use your voice is very important in communication and the key is this the problem the challenge all of us have is that all of us we have our own monotone our own standard tone i have my own standard tone you Callum, you have yours rebecca you have yours that, that, that's a fact and the, the problem is that if we never move away from our standard tone then that's that's where monotone comes from and nobody likes a monotone it's boring but what we can do is we can try from time to time as we present as we have a conversation like this as we communicate our ideas to move away from our standard tone to make it more dynamic you want to become a dynamic vocal speaker everybody in the audience likes dynamism how can you do that in practice many many things you can do from time to time you can pose pose is very powerful in communication silence is one Dale Carnegie used to say that silence is one of the most eloquent things in the world which means that you can say a lot without saying anything so by posing you change the rhythm you change the pattern that's one thing you can also punch the most important words so if you're communicating and you want to emphasize a certain word, you can punch it. Now I'm punching the word punching. You can make certain words longer. Again, if you want to emphasize a word, you can make it longer. Now I'm making the word longer, longer. You can also over-articulate certain words. And this is especially useful for people like me. I speak English, which is not my first language, obviously. But also, for you, you are native English speakers. Today, international communication is, is a thing. So if you are presenting to an audience in English, and English is not the first language of the people in the audience, then sometimes it's important to articulate, but also to over-articulate. If you want to emphasize a word, you can over-articulate it. Now, I'm over articulating the word over articulating you can i'll give you one more idea you can increase your volume you want to emphasize a particular point you can increase your volume and what's interesting is that you can achieve the same benefit by going down in volume why because you are anyway whether you go up or down you are moving away from your standard tone and the reason why that's important is because in addition to the fact that by doing that you become more dynamic from a vocal perspective and everybody likes dynamism but especially if you are presenting something which the thing itself the content itself that you are communicating if it's really complex if it's technical if by by the nature of it if it's a bit dry then at least what you can do you can change not what you if you can change what you say that's great but sometimes if you can't do that you can change how you say it to make it more effective for the audience super helpful yeah there's 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 many tips there that i think are easy to go and maybe a bit hard, hard easy to understand perhaps kind of hard to actually go in and implement and, and do but 
Andrea, do you have do you have maybe any like stories or examples of uh, companies or individuals that you've worked with in the past that have kind of gone on the journey of trying to implement some of those things that you've just discussed, both in terms of what they've said, how they've said it, and the way they've presented that to their team or an audience or anything like that? One one story that comes to mind is, and again, Rebecca, uh, it's it's in the book as well. Uh, there's a company I've worked with with presentation skills, pitching skills, workshops for for the entire team. The company is based in London. It's called Kate and Co. Kate K A T T E and Co. And it's a leading paid search and social agency for e-commerce brands. That's what they do. And what happened was that their MD, Tom Kate, was keen for the agency to become more proactive in, in seeking new business. But they were, in his own words, they were being held back by their presentations. And the reason why it was important, if you think about the, the importance of what we are talking about here, the impact of effective or non-effective communication. In that case, a typical client brings in roughly £5,000 per month. And they were aiming to convert three new clients a month. So for them, if you think about it, not being able to pitch and present well and losing that business was losing them a potential revenue of around £180,000 per year. And during a typical page, Tom and, and other senior leaders would focus on the commercials, the strategy and the top level overview. And then they would rely on a team of analysts to go into more depth. But again, they told me that the, that the analysts were a little too technical in their communication and, they, and this didn't always work with their potential clients. So we've run a presentation skills training course, a workshop for the entire team. And Tom told me that almost overnight, he could see a real difference in the confidence and delivery of content by the analysts. And he also told me that because of that, they surpassed the new business targets by more than 40%. And in general, engagement and win rates of their pitches have been at a record high ever since. So there are, we, again, I can give you many other examples, but this is one that illustrates the importance of understanding effective communication. And then, as you said, Callum, it's not just knowledge, but then we, we also need to be able to put into practice. And I agree with you. It's not easy. It takes time and it takes practice. I have read that case study in your book. It's fairly early on in the book. And it's a phenomenal case study and well done for, for achieving those results for that, with that business. Um, but I'm now wondering how I should ask my next question. Hi, low, <laughs> or overemphasizing certain words that you're really making me think here, Andrea. So um, thank you for that, for making me think. And thank you for all the tips that you've shared um, Anybody listening to this is going to get lots of tips and ideas. So as we draw to a close, one last question, and then how can how best can people get in touch with you and find out more about your work and what you do? So I just you've shared a number of stories with us. How important the stories in communication and why are they so important? It's the most important thing. 
if we want to be able to communicate well, communicate effectively, then storytelling is one of the, or if not the most important communication device that, that we need to apply, that we need to consider. Why? Be, it's simple because people remember stories much more than just facts and figures. Again, if you look at how our brain works, then we know science tells us, research tells us that our brain is hardwired to listen to stories, to enjoy them, to remember them. And so that's why every time you have an important message to share, then ask yourself, is there a story that I can tell that illustrates that point? And a story, Rebecca, it doesn't have to be a once upon a time type of story. It doesn't have to be an emotional story. A story could be something that happened to you, something that happened to somebody else. It could be an example, a case study, an anecdote. If we think about it, there's always a story to tell. And the problem with most business presentations is that they are 99% facts. And then if we are lucky, if we are lucky, 1% is story. And, and then I'll close with this. This is connected to the idea of including in your communication the right mix of logic and emotion. We need to realize that in your audience, everybody has two parts in their brain. They have the logical part and the emotional part. And every time you share facts and figures and information, that's important. No, don't get me wrong. It's important, but you are touching the logical part of people's brain. If you really want to convince somebody of something, if you want to influence them, if you want to motivate them, for example, to take action, you also need to touch the emotional part of their, of their brain. And you do that mainly with storytelling. Also, you do that by using analogies, for example, metaphors. These are also super powerful in communication. A, a presentation is a bit like a seesaw. If you think about it, Rebecca, a seesaw is parallel to the ground only when nobody's using it. As soon as you have two kids who start playing with it, it starts going up and down. Now, a seesaw parallel to the ground is equivalent to a presentation that has an equal mix of logic and emotion, 50-50. It doesn't have to be like that. It depends on your audience and the context. Maybe the right mix in your context is 80-20. Mostly facts and figures and data. If that works best for your audience, and then you, the 20% means you include a couple of examples. That's okay. You, you need to make that judgment. But what you never want to do is just rely on logic. It doesn't work. It's not enough. I think that's also very applicable to a sales process. And when we want to buy something, we have to tap into both logic and the emotion. So thank you very much for that final tip um, about stories and the importance of them. Andrea, you've shared so much with us today. How best for our listeners to get in touch with you and polish up their presentation skills, take their communication to the next level? Thank you for the opportunity. On social media, the main platform for me is LinkedIn, so people can find me there with my full name. Our website, ideasonstage.com. And then what could be useful or interesting to, to your audience is we have an online tool 
the Confident Presenter scorecard, which is connected to the book, Confident Presenter, which by the way, people can find on Amazon. The Confident Presenter scorecard, you can Google it like this. And it's an online tool that allows you to assess your current presentation skills in less than three minutes for free. You just need to answer a few questions, yes or no. The scorecard will give you a score from zero to 100%. It will tell you what that score means for you. And it also identifies opportunities for improvement. And if you take the scorecard, you also get instant access to the PDF version of, of my book. And the URL for this is our website, ideasonstage.com slash score, like when you score a goal. We will put that in the show notes. And I have taken that uh, questionnaire and I highly recommend it because you do get that instant feedback and you can see where you can make improvements. So highly recommend that. I'm going to be doing that myself. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you for me as well, Andrea. And I agree on the last point, uh, those things you mentioned around uh, logic and the emotional side of things are <laughs> definitely applicable to, to my role in sales as well. So uh, yeah, really appreciate the time and uh, super, it's very interesting to, to hear your concepts that you were talking about. So big thank you from me. Thank you. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, Callum. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rjen.co.uk website.